and welcome to episode four of the Cape and Hope Employee Comms podcast. 20 minutes of insight, inspiration and indispensable information from the world of workplace communication. I'm Case Bannon. I'm the account director at the award-winning employee communications agency, Cape and Hope. And I'm absolutely delighted that you're here. I hope you enjoy the show, share your feedback and subscribe. Today, we're talking about an issue that's been highlighted because of the last 18 months, but was very much on the agenda before this, the hybrid workspace. We'll be discussing where the flexible working trend is headed and what businesses are currently doing about it. Listen up as we share an action plan to make sure you're communicating effectively and also how you can re-energise Gen Z and make sure you're meeting this generation's digital expectations. I'm really excited to be discussing these issues with a very special guest, Alicia McCullum. Alicia is Global Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Manager at the FTSE 100 tech company Aviva. Alicia, welcome to the Cape and Hope Employee Comms Podcast. Hi, I'm Alicia McCollum. I'm the Global Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Manager at Aviva. Aviva is an industrial software company. We're in the FTSE 100, headquartered out of Cambridge. Big enough organisation that was 6,500 people in 47 countries. And also Liz, our CEO, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, yes. I've been with Cape and Hope right from the beginning. We started as a full-service marketing agency, but absolutely fell passionately in love with the whole world of employee communications and engagement. And what a time to be doing it at the moment with the amount of change that's going on. So I feel very passionately about communicating to employees on health and well-being. Thank you, guys. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. A good question to kick off with is what the potential impacts of hybrid working on the employee experience generally and kind of specifically on, on effective communication. Liz, I know you've got a couple of points that you'd like to share here. Yeah, thank you, Katie. Yeah, I think we are still in a complete state of change. So we work with some of the biggest global companies and one size doesn't fit all. And there are some who we know are, are really, really keen to get their teams back into the office. There are some who are saying, no, no, that's not really important. There are some who are already back in and working a hybrid model. I know that we'll hear, hear about that. There are some who basically are saying, no, this is working fine. We can save on all the office space and the high costs of that. So we're really happy for employees to carry on working from home. Then you counterbalance that with um, research and things that's coming out saying maybe we'll all revert back to a five day week and this will just be considered a COVID blip. And, you know, obviously there's varying opinions on that. But what we do know is right at the moment, there is a split. There are employees who are very, very happy working from home. There are employees who are are having to work from home and are very lonely and isolated working from home. There are employees who really would rather be back in the office but can't. And there are employees who are, are feeling that they should be back in the office under the pressure of that and don't want to be. And then there's a whole load of stuff that we will discuss today about is there a generational mix in that? We'll talk about the demographics of that, but certain demographics prefer maybe to work from home. Certain demographics grow and learn much more by being and feel they'll be promoted better and being closer to where it's all happening if they're in the office where the doing the do is happening. There's so much to think about, but one thing I, I would say, and this is what this is about today, is communication. So wherever you are, we've really, really got to focus on that so that people don't end up siloed, lost, left out, FOMO, fear of missing out, that only half the business are hearing a proper story and the other half aren't. And that will affect productivity for businesses. And it's absolutely key. And the solution I feel to this surely must be communication. It's never been 
is so important. I get off my soapbox now, but that's where I'm coming from for this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And also with that digital exhaustion, it's quite real yes. as well. So we're having those silos people in physicality, but also maybe in digital communication spaces as well. And kind of seeing that tribalism start to occur. Yeah. I know, Alyssa, you, you've got some great examples from Aviva about how you're looking at that and trying to prevent that siloed communication. Yeah, and I think to Elizabeth's point, you know, we certainly were not booking the trend here. You know, I mean, it is really important that we continue to promote connectivity across the organisation. And certainly one of the things that we have done and I think we're doing very successfully is leveraging our ERGs, our employee resource groups, and ensuring that there's a connection not just between a leader and an employee, but also between employees. So these are formal networks that people can join and pick up. There's also informal networks as well. So things like book clubs, we're going to have a cycling club, a crafting club. So again, it's promoting that connectivity. And the role of communications in that is really crucial because how do people know that these networks Mm. exist? We're not all in offices. We don't have that same synchronous communication whereby you're standing at the water cooler or having a cup of coffee and someone says, oh, I'm joining this or I'm joining that. You don't have that. So we really need communications to be leading the way in that. And and in fairness in Aviva, we have been a really good intranet. We have a really good wellbeing hub and we really, you know, do a lot of formal and informal communications. Yeah, excellent. And your internal hub is is fantastic and keeping that content updated as well and and signposting people. So it's not just a a one and done, I suppose. Yeah. It's also important as well. I was going to say, I remember Alicia, you saying that you'd identified though that despite having I think you're incredibly well set up at Aviva your your trailblazers really in in this but you still said despite that you noticed recently without mentioning where it was a certain silo in another country that just yeah. because of the difference in their culture and their habits hadn't logged on hadn't seen wasn't aware of yes. all facilities there and that surprised you you were a little saddened and then you have to work out a technique to reach them exactly so it's that sort of not only is it the one and done but it's the constant you know view as to where the messaging is landing, how it's not landing. You know, certainly looking at the wellbeing hub, we can look at the utilisation on our company intranet. We can pull data to sort of say, right, well, our America's colleagues are all, you know, engaged. They're looking, reading articles and all engaged. However, our colleagues in APAC, they're not involved and they're not taking up resources that we have available or reading articles or attending events. So, I think alongside the one and done, it's also having a regional flavour to make sure that we're reaching everybody in the company. And that's a a really good point you make there about making sure that you ask and you listen to what your employees are feeling at the moment. Also, how they're feeling about the impending changes or whether or not they've already been happening. So polls and surveys don't have to be completely and utterly time consuming. And another thing that needs to be on the to-do list, which I know sometimes can be the case, it can be a little bit more agile and a bit more emotional potentially kind of tap into the really what the health and well-being temperature is like within a company and there's some great ways that you can do that as well that's a little bit more agile utilizing internet for example picking up the phone <laughs> Liz we were having this conversation earlier as well weren't we about always having to feel like you need to have your video on when you're in a hybrid world yeah it's a really big change we're all used to it now we think we are but if you wheel back 18 months we weren't doing this we weren't doing all these video calls and now everyone's desperately 
doing video calls because they're not in the office because they feel they want to see the face. It's become a habit. And actually, there's a quite a bit of pressure on those video calls. Whereas before you'd have just picked up the phone, bish bash bosh, get the conversation done. Now you, you feel you have to book a meeting, you have to be on video, you know, everything is slightly more heavyweight because of that, as opposed to those really quick conversations. And I think people need to consider the, what they're encouraging in their businesses. Why not encourage people to pick up the phone and chat as much as they do come on video? Really start to question habits that have formed and that may not suit everybody. Yeah. yeah. You do walking meetings, don't you? We do. Even just within our own team, we do our one-to-ones now outside walking. Mm. Just, you know, it's actually on teams. We also do other things like, you know, meeting free Fridays. Now, don't get me wrong. You can still meet with our team on a Friday, but it's not this polished corporate way of being it's to try and you know have some time in a week where we you know set aside to actually get work done as well and not feel that you're always on and I guess as we move back and you know in this hybrid way of going which we are going in Aviva we will not be all going back into the office full time I think that's going to be really important I think that some of the things that some of our managers are doing are booking like 45 minute meetings instead of the one hour meeting so that you have the 15 minutes between one call and the next to actually go and make a coffee to actually get up and move you know even move room in your home and you know if this hybrid work does work for to work we're going to have to embrace those things we're going to have to you know not just use asynchronous tools but we're also going to have to observe our own behaviors and the behaviors of our team Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's a good point you make about it's not just the tools either it's how do we create those small social spaces in a a hybrid world and provide tactics to be able to encourage people to feel more social at work in order to help their well-being such as um, one of our clients does a great radio station and podcast that's a really good example of kind of creating an all-in-it-together feeling even though some people might be at home and some people might be in the office and as we say just you know checking in and making sure that as a business you're understanding that the emotional pulse of the business and like I say quick time polls more agile surveys is really good for that but you can even do that on zoom some clients of ours tend to think doing surveys has to be a massive long well-researched thought through onerous we'll get it out in a couple of months time thing but boom, you can do a little pulse check on a call in the morning. And it's fantastic, the feedback it gives you, because you're not seeing people by the water cooler anymore. You're not seeing their faces. You're not seeing that they're looking sad or stressed. But this is a really quick pulse survey to do that. And it, yeah, it can be anonymous, which I think is also something that's really important, that kind of always on feeling that we have, that we always, always have to be present. I mean, we're hearing a lot about digital exhaustion and tribalism and siloed communication channels. And Liz, you mentioned it at the top as well about how that is potentially also related to a maybe generational gap in in the tools that they use and and how people like to be communicated to. Yes, it's it's really interesting. And it's something I'm really passionate about in that one size doesn't fit all and the art of good communication is being targeted. It doesn't have to be complicated, but... If you know your team, your workforce, and you know the demographics of them, what we're finding with clients is the tendency for working going forwards that the older generation may prefer to continue to work from home for reasons of they're confident, they've reached a level of seniority, they have houses that maybe need lots of work with plumbers coming in and God knows what else, and dogs and children, and children to pick up from school. But the younger generation who learn and grow by absorbing by osmosis in an office environment, what their bosses are saying, they 
their leaders, all these people that have years of experience. That's how I learned by just listening in, in an office. And that helps them grow. It helps them feel that they have more of a chance to be visible to their boss and possibly more promotion prospects. And they're at the stage in their lives where they, they want that sociability. I know a lot of young generations there sort of sitting at home in their parents' house in their bedroom trying to work and are terribly isolated. There's a difference there in, in want and need. And therefore, there's a difference in communication styles. And are we going to see older people staying working from home, younger people desperately wanting to come into the office? And how do we communicate to those people, ensure no one's missing out and they don't develop into two silos? There's a lot that should be taken into account when you're working out what your communication campaigns, not just campaigns, your always on communications should be. And actually, you, you touched on a really good point there about senior leadership and people managers yes. and how they can help drive that kind of two way communication. And we talk a lot in communications within businesses about authenticity. So sharing real life stories from the senior leadership team is a really good way of driving that kind of authentic narrative. How are your senior leaders feeling about their hybrid workplace and what's happened to their health and well-being throughout this process and, and what are they doing to, to improve that? Alyssa, you guys do a really great event that brings senior leaders, people managers and everyone together and yes. really encourages inclusivity, collaboration. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, Aviva? Yeah, so, so there's been two things really that Aviva has done really well this year that probably I'll, I'll speak about the first one to begin with so we did a it's okay not to be okay at the beginning of lockdown back in April we launched a global EAP and coinciding with that we got our senior leaders to it's okay not to be okay banner you know in front of them at home with their family often to sort of say to the employees look we're all experiencing this we're all finding it difficult it's not just your team it's everyone and that really landed really well I mean there was people you know coming out then with their own stories which led to another storytelling type campaign was on our internet we have had a series of articles every month where people either do it either anonymously or on their own name and they talk about um, maybe a mental health challenge or a challenge that someone else has had in their, their family that storytelling again has been really popular and it has also signposted then people to our well-being hub to our EAP and all the support and the resources that we have available. The second thing that we did earlier this year was Aviva Fest. So that was a two-day all-employee event where we got a range of employees throughout the organization, all our ERGs, all our regional DNI networks, product leaders, senior leadership, the ELT, all coming together to do like a gig. You know, we all had a slot. We had like a 30 to 50 minute slot where we did a presentation, did a live Q&A sessions and it was really really popular what we then did was we had recorded everything but we didn't think we were, we were going to publish it but we have because so many people were coming back and asking I've heard that this product launch was fantastic or I've heard the DNI roundtable was brilliant can I now see the video so Again, that's another way that we've connected through the business. And I think that's the really important thing. We are still all at home at Aviva. We are still, but we are really good at connecting. And our employee communications team have been central to that. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's some really great examples of business-wide initiatives. But there's also about the people leaders specifically, isn't there? Yeah. And encouraging a more social check-in. Liz, you mentioned earlier, you know, in a hybrid world, we might not peer over our desk and ask how someone is. So we could maybe discuss now some communication tactics and stuff that we could do to support people leaders to be able to facilitate those conversations with their team. I think 
we've all heard about Zoom fatigue and background shaming and that always on and walking meetings is a great idea. But we also need to look at that training aspect as well. I know that there was a Radio 4 report that you mentioned as well, Liz, that touched on people leaders and how they can potentially support their teams more authentically. This was the think tank, Paul Swinney, Director of Policy and Research at Centre for Cities. It's all been over the BBC and Radio 4. But essentially, his angle was he thinks that people will revert back to coming into the office more in the future. That's a moot point. Maybe it won't happen. But because of, of human nature and that need to be around nearer the leadership and being seen and this, this sort of thing and learning and growing, as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of work we've done over the years has been in helping leaders be more effective leaders. A lot of communication work we've done with employees have been helping leaders to talk to their employees and managers, some of which we know are brilliant communicators and some of which aren't. They're, they're fantastic at their specific job, their technical skill area, but they're not great communicators. So now we've got a situation where they're not even in the office with their team. So that shy manager who may be absolutely fantastic technically to learn from, but was never that good at communicating with his employees. Now he's actually sat at home behind a screen and without realizing it, maybe can hide except for the half an hour they have on a Thursday when they've actually got a technical meeting with that team member. And this is something that we feel is really key. And those managers now need help and retraining to communicate better in this new world with all of their employees, not just those that do schlep into the office and are there next to them. So that yeah. needs rethinking from a yeah. helping managers and helping our leadership to work in a different way and possibly not hide. On the upside, we have seen some exceptional examples over the last 18 months of leaders who have become far more transparent and open and honest, as you said, Katie, and sharing those stories. Hey, we're all in this together. Look, here's my cat walking across, my kid pulling my power out or whatever it might be. And that authenticity, again, is really key. I think that's been a big upside of it. We need to continue this, but we need to work with those managers who maybe don't have that confidence and provide them with the comms tools and the skill set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a good place to start as a business, I think, is to think for yourself, do our managers feel comfortable having those conversations with their teams about mental health? And have we provided them with the resources, inspiration to be able to do that? Now is a really good time, if you haven't already, is to start kind of fooling your managers up to lead that shift in culture and support health and well-being as well moving forward. With that in mind, I'm going to ask another question because I know that we've talked a lot about this before and it's about the generational shifts we were mentioning earlier, the kind of siloed communications that are happening. And I think it's a really good idea that everyone, if they haven't already, is to do that comms channel audit to really understand where those tribes are maybe forming and identify what channels you need to be using for corporate comms or those social safe spaces and, of course, which demographic within your business are interacting the most with each other mm. and bringing your senior leadership team to the forefront create those authentic stories. Delicia, we also talked about the not being afraid to fail. So I know we talked about that when we were doing a run through on this and yeah. you, you, you and Aviva have done so many things and I'm sure some have been more successful than others. Yeah. Yeah. trying because We had some wonderful webinars a while back on a similar subject and a couple of our client partners said, we cocked up, we tried things that didn't work, but my God, we never stopped trying and then we got it, we, slept, we fine-tuned it, we got it right for our business. You know, we've kept on going with it and there's been some campaigns. We do a, a weekly intranet campaign. We are a Viva campaign and people can be like, what's your favourite film? And, you know, loads of people take part and then you'll do something that you think that was really good, like kindness and no one comments, no one gets involved, but you have to keep going and we do keep going. The other thing is to the communication silos, something that I feel quite strongly about is the fact of the 
issue of some people going back into the offices and some people not and those people not being forgot about at home whilst the flexibility that hybrid work brings to us is really appealing for a diverse and inclusive world but the reality is there can be a lot of people looking for the flexibility maybe because of family commitments or whatever and they could be forgotten about mm-hmm. and never in an office and never having that face time. So it's actually going to go against them for their career. So I think for us or for any company, we need to be aware of not just those in the office, but we also need to manage those at home. And for me, I believe that we should be doing online by default meetings. I think that everyone, whether you're in an office or not, we should all be joining online. Now, whether that means that everyone's sitting in a conference room on their laptops together, but everyone should be having the same experience added to that then what I had said earlier on about the burnout and us all being exhausted being online all the time we need to manage that and it's those things that are going to make hybrid work successful or not successful and whether or not it's going to have an adverse effect on diversity and inclusion which if we're not mindful of it at the beginning it could do yes and we did talk on that about we haven't measured this we haven't quite got there yet but we've done so well in society to encourage more women back to work but you can see how this could play out. Who are the people that are more likely to end up working from home because they're more likely to be taking the fair share of childcare? So we could go backwards here. We could end up with, again, more men in the offices and more women being the ones who've opted to work from home who are being more left out and therefore maybe are suffering in their career prospects. That would be a big backward step. Yeah. The demographic comes into there as well, maybe, but we haven't gone far enough with this to have measured the decisions of who stays at home in a double working married couple. Yeah, absolutely. And another point of that as well is about accessibility. I completely agree that we need to make sure that everyone has the same experience within a business. So therefore make it accessible to those that might not be on their laptop all the time. If you've got a mobile sales team, for example, or people on on the shop floor, so to speak, they need to be able to access those tools and those communication channels easier. So consider mobile optimization of your internet, for example, or digitalization through an app of resources as well to make sure that you're touching everybody and everyone has access to all those tools mm. we've touched on some really fantastic things already and i hope everyone has heard some good kind of hints and tips and learnings liz alicia have you got anything else that you'd like to share with everyone i think it's about actions now it's about don't sit on the fence anymore don't think it will be all right and don't think one type of media will reach everyone don't think one size fits all don't think that one quick blast and you've done it that's health and well-being dni all done it's about really analyzing your communications across all demographics all types of media reaching everyone, ensuring everyone is included and mapping out what is going to work for your team. It's just in summary, everything I think we've talked about today, but I know there are some good tips coming up too to how to get started. Absolutely. And we're going to finish up with our top tips. So our Cape and Hope top three things that you can do as a business, communicate authentically at this time, is making sure that you keep health and well-being and communicating your initiatives top of the agenda. It needs to be always on and it needs to be consistent for it to be authentic. Remember, content is king and queen so it's not just a one and done don't just upload and concentrate on your tools and your resources think about those pulse checks and and how people are actually feeling and also optimize for inclusive accessibility make it safe and open we talk about in the DE&I space creating ERGs and we've spoken about that today and really use those networks to ensure that everyone feels like they've got a space to be able to 
communicate it with a two-way dialogue. And a good way of doing that is by having your senior leadership team be champions of that too. Those are the top three things we think you can do as a business to communicate authentically. Another consideration is what should your senior leadership team be doing right now? One of the key things is that you need to invest some time to truly understand the needs of your people. Like we've mentioned, authenticity is key. So create those opportunities for the SLT to share more human stories behind their successes and challenges. Conduct a wellbeing survey to understand all the challenges your hybrid workforce face and keep it going with a regular temperature check. Um, ensure your varying messages as well, depending on your global climates and communities, and ensure that your communications are truly localised and that you're energising your local teams to be able to, to carry those overarching messages through. So where do you start? How about picking up the phone to your CPO straight after this, or if you're a CPO, how do you feel about maybe sharing your story with your teams and maybe help inspire them to share too? And finally, what should your people leaders be doing right now? So of course, it's important to provide your people leaders a framework to ensure that they can support and coach their teams. So there's practical guides to educate and inspire. Also, we're all very busy, so don't feel like you need to take this on yourselves. Consider an expert-led training and guidance, for example. Keep the conversations flowing is another top tip. Facilitate and encourage your leaders to check in more socially with their teams. Like I mentioned, those practical guides, making sure that you are providing those guides for reducing stress or managing stress within their teams. So pick up the phone, maybe. And if Joe Wicks or <laughs> the Pico Chopra isn't available, give us a call and we can help you decide how to move forward with that. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for your time today. Please do get in touch if you would like to find out anything more and if you've got any burning questions that you think that we could maybe help with. Thank you again, Alicia, for your time. Thank you, Aviva, for really being champions in health and well-being and DE&I. So really good. Well done on you. And thank you, Liz, for your time as well. Pleasure, as always. Absolutely. Hope you've enjoyed it. Great. That's great. Thank you, Kenny. brings us to the end of episode four of the Cave and Hope Employee Comms podcast and in fact the last of our health and well-being mini-series. A huge thanks to my special guest Alicia. I really hope you've enjoyed the show. Please give us your feedback, share any comms issues you might want us to explore in the future and of course subscribe. We look forward to our next episode where we'll be chatting to an industry leader about a key workplace issue. We will cover why this topic should be at the top of your business agenda and how to communicate the key issues effectively and authentically to people at every level of your organisation. Until then, stay well. Goodbye.